We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Hello everyone and welcome to Beyond 90, the pod, episode 135. We are coming to you from kind of around the world or at least the the southern part of the world. Welcome to all of my co-hosts here. We've got Madge who's found a, um, a place to hang out in Newcastle at the very least. Welcome Madge. Hi Cheryl, good to have you back. Um, yes, I've had some accommodation issues but I've managed to find a roof um, for the night so I'm here. And it also sounds like Madge is sounding, as I said off um, before the pod, it was you're sounding very post-game-ish. Yes, yes, um, post two games. So one more to go. So hopefully my voice can make it through um, the pod here today and one more game in Newcastle. Well, that sounds great. Dale, how is your voice? And happy birthday, Dale. I know we're a couple of days past it, but hopefully you've been celebrating your birthday and some football as well. I have. Thank you very much. Yes, I was very kindly bought a sports drink at the Woolpack Hotel on the weekend, or two of those. Thank you to Madge and to uh, Eddie from the Matildas Active. Um, that was very lovely of you. And yeah, it was. It's been a it's been a festival of Dale, so very enjoyable. Very nice. Um, speaking of festivals, maybe it's a festival of football for Eric, who's gallivanting around the world and has found himself in beautiful Waikato. I think. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. So, yes, the people, I have not changed my background. I am at Waikato Stadium. And as you can tell, I'm currently watching a game between New Zealand and Argentina, friendly. So, uh, yes, so really in the year of a Trans-Tasman World Cup, how appropriate that we're doing our first ever Trans-Tasman poll. I love it. Well, we'll cross to you for live updates anytime something interesting and exciting happens for sure. Let's go back to the traditional format of the podcast. Episode 135 brings us to Matilda's cap number 135, Jessica Mitchell, a name that's possibly not too familiar to people out there. Madge, you've possibly got the strongest chance of knowing much about her. Um, She debuted for the Matildas in 2005 and played for the national team only for that year. So she must have had a a really good season or a really good year, but we didn't see her after that in national team kit. She made five appearances in that season, three A internationals, one goal, and uh, the residual two matches were non-A internationals. She played as a forward. She was a striker in Queensland and played in Queensland WNSL team from 1999 to 2004. She also played in 2002 for the Young Matildas squad, and in under-19, she actually appeared at the World Cup in Canada. So congratulations, Jessica Mitchell. I'm sorry that there's not too much information out there on, on you and your game, and that's one of the disappointing things about women's football these days, but... Hopefully every other player as we get further and further in the journey will have much more information about them. Any recollections from anyone? Has anyone seen anything of Jessica in seen her playing, seen her after the play? No, definitely pre-me, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the I mean, I know the Queensland had some pretty good teams in that um in that pre pre um pre dub 
uh, era as well. So, yeah, I suspect she probably did have um, some good seasons to get that national team call up. So, yeah, but unfortunately a little bit before my time. And that's possibly the struggle as well. I mean, Queensland really prolific in delivering Matildas out to the fold. Um, obviously, we'll come to Claire Polkinghorne soon as well. But there was an era when we saw heaps and heaps of Queenslanders. And, and long may it continue, hopefully with the Victorians coming on board as well. I can't rejoin the pond and not give a shout out to the Vicks in there. Let's talk about hot topics of the week, if everyone's okay. There's there's so much football to talk about, but we'll go and see how we go in World Cup news, The um, obviously we had the qualifying tournament or the intercontinental playoffs happening right now. But in other news, the World Cup trophy tour is going beyond. So it's going to go around, around Australia. It will be, I think, in Melbourne around May or April. But it's also going around the world. Has anyone seen it yet? I believe it was actually in Melbourne this past weekend. They oh. had the... Um, the the pitch the unity pitch there as well so i think yeah. that went a little bit under the radar someone posted about it in our matilda's um travel group and it was like oh well, i didn't actually realize that was happening so i was gonna say i seem to remember that there was a photo with the the uh, trophy at uh swan street this weekend but i could be wrong uh, it wouldn't be football or it wouldn't be women's football if stuff didn't go under the radar and not overly well publicised. But anyway, I, it I sounds wanna, like it's going to come back around again. So that's I want to see well. it get like run around like the Olympic lame was when Sydney hosted the Olympics. I want to see like hundreds of people carrying this trophy through the streets of Australia. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to touch the trophy before. <laughs> before I've never touched the trophy beforehand. I, I think, you know, whether or not it's a dub trophy or not. All right, let's talk. <laughs> You're happy to happy to touch it. Happy to touch the devil and see what happens. Exactly. I'd like this. Look, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> I mean, right. I will never win anything in a sporting sense, so I will touch every trophy they'll let me. To be honest, I did get a photo with the Cup of Nations um, at the uh, at the Gosford game, so but I managed to resist touching it. Was there a bit of a, a cue or a wait for something like that? How do you how do you swing by and, and almost hit that one up? They just had it out front. And yeah, there was a little bit of a cue. But um yeah, so we we hung around and, and got a photo with the trophy that hopefully the well, I'm assuming the Matildas will be lifting now, barring any crazy um results in the final mm-hmm. games. Very true. All right, in other news, and we move away from the World Cup and just into general news really heavily visible over the weekend. We saw that Football Australia has partnered with World Pride. We saw the Matildas come out with um, beautiful kits, beautiful numbers on the back of the kit. It was, um, yeah, quite a rewarding and inclusive sort of space to be in. And I, I personally loved seeing it. I wasn't at the game, but on TV, it really stood out and, and looked great. Any any thoughts? Well, I mean, the the... The pride colours on the back of the jersey were lovely. Um, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised that the uh, kind of community engagement on social media there was almost no pushback from Matilda's fans, which was really uh, really kind of uplifting. Um, as somebody who drove past Fair Day, which was on yesterday at yeah Sydney Uni, um, to uh, to get to Parramatta for the game, obviously it would have been little bit better if it wasn't on fair day because obviously that's a big big day in the queer cal- in the queer calendar but yeah it was it's the, the jerseys were lovely i mean they they looked great 
obviously it's an important message and yeah i think it was really really well uh really well put together to be honest i don't normally talk too much cross code but what i will say with the aflw is that they the whole kit or not the whole kit but the whole jersey is actually customized for pride rounds and stuff like that and as much as it was wonderful to see the numbers in color wouldn't it have been great and maybe a really good incentive to buy an extra jersey than just the current jersey but with a colorful number on the back or is it just me mm. i um, wonder either even whether the jersey just with the with the rainbow flag on the back <laughs> or the rainbow numbers will be purchasable because i haven't seen anything that will would kind of I saw I saw a tweet saying that they were going to be purchased. purchased oh, that's great! But but that was me just seeing someone tweeting it, so I haven't verified it for myself yet. Uh, so I believe it's come out just recently, so perhaps in the last couple of hours or so, that footballers Australia uh, have the pride set, but only with the current Matildas jersey, and I believe they only have small, large, extra large, and two XL left. So to okay. start, but um, yeah. Uh, in but in relation to like a proper pride jersey, I think yeah, I would love that, and I would say, spend silly money on it. But my understanding is for kits outside of a manufacturer's template, you need like two years. So yeah, perhaps that's a thing for later down the track, and which is yeah, why I would answer people's questions. Yeah, yeah about, Nike will uh, be no pushing. It would be tough to get Nike to to. I mean, even if it was just a like an applique on the green down the sides. Um, it would still be, yeah. I mean, like Mike, Nike obviously would be providing these jerseys out of a template, as Eric said. So um, I, I think we'll see something from the clubs um, come Pride Round, hopefully. Well, all I'm saying is that I may buy a new Matildas kit if they did release something like that. But um, just going back to the comments, I think it may have been someone quite reputable who pushed out the news around that you will be able to buy customised Matilda's jerseys with yeah. the, the beautiful colours. The most reputable, the Sam Lewis. Sam Lewis, exactly. So if you can't believe Sam, who can you believe? Uh, let's move on now because I, we've worked out that I'm not buying a kit at this point anyway. But uh, next week, I think maybe maybe it's kind of news for the next pod, but the FIFA Best Awards or the Best Awards will be announced on the 27th. So it's probably, actually, it might be Monday night, but as much as we don't see Sam Kerr there at the moment, there's still some great footballers in the running. Um, if we don't talk about it now, when are we going to talk about it? So Beth Mead, Alex Morgan, Alexia Pateas as the three finalists for the FIFA Women's Player of the Year or the best. Um, any key picks from anyone, Dale? Have you got a pick out of those three? Uh, I picked none of them because none of them are Sam Kerr. Uh, I think that Mead will win it, if I'm honest. I know that both her and Puteas are both, uh, well, very significantly injured at the moment. Puteas obviously on the road to recovery, but I think that Mead will win it. She was the best player at the Euros, and I think that because it was a very competitive tournament, I think that will sway things in her, in her favour. But I think that all three of these, I mean... Alex Morgan had a really good NWSL and she's had a good uh, had a good international season. Um, I think that people are kind of looking down her nose, looking down their nose at those fa at those stats a little bit now that there's been more movement towards Europe. But I mean, for me, it's Beth Mead. I think she's been the best player all year. Mm -hmm. any, Out of those three, just to clarify. Any, <laughs> any others agree? What about your take, Madge? I, I think I'd probably just repeat, and this is probably the same conversation we had about these awards last year and that um so I believe the voting for these awards are coaches captains and media from from across 
um, from across the world. And uh, I, I think potentially it is uh, another example of where we're just seeing some of the same names get voted for um, by people who aren't necessarily really across all of the leagues and all of the games and all of the um, the football that's being played. So, um, yeah, because, I mean, I mean, Alex Morgan being there is um, Beth Mead. Uh, yeah, I agree. I can I can understand Beth Mead being there. Pateas has been, you know, missing the Euros and missing, you know, good chunks of football throughout that time. Um, it, it, I'm going to guess all of these awards do tend to um, run on a bit of a lag of reputation sometimes. And I just think this has been a particularly um, um, stark reminder of that. Yep, I agree. Um, throw to Eric now, who's intently watching the game, but maybe he's got some extra thoughts as well. And then we can talk about the finalists for the Women's Coach Award as well. Might be easier. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's 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 half time, and it's now. I forgot about the stadium PA, so it's actually got louder. Sorry, everyone. But uh, yeah, it's I as great as Mateus is. I question the selection of someone who missed the Euros and then obviously the second half of the or the first half of the leagues. Spanish season so I think Madge's point about reputation is correct and then I think a repeater point I may have said about I think the Guardian top 100 that the visibility of certain leagues will hurt certain nationalities of players I'm thinking of Japan here so I don't know uh, I want, well, do want to perhaps if there's a better way of uh, deciding this award Okay on to the best women's coaches finalists as well Sonia Bompasta Pia Sundhag and Serena Wigman or Wakeman. Sorry, I always pronounce that incorrectly. Any big standouts? I mean, Serena's got to be up there, but it's a full year, not one tournament, but very big tournament. I mean, it's Serena Wigman for me. I could be wrong, but I don't think she's lost a game in charge of the English team. Um, I That for me is just like, you know, a pretty incredible incredible fact over the course that she's been there for more than 12 months now which um which is you know kind of like we already knew that she was a very good coach she took, took the dutch to the final at the last world cup um i think she's a clear standout and even, i mean the more interesting one for me is the goalkeeper i think that there's there hasn't really been a standout goalkeeper this season but that's just me jump into the goalkeepers by all means dale because that's the the next thing on the on the list of things to have a look at i mean for me yes Mary Earps is kind of one who's been most visible um, and that's always interesting that most visible could be the winner. Um, you know, eh, interesting. Yeah, the, the three finalists are uh, Anne Katrenberger, Mary Earps and Christiana Endler. Um, it's kind of like none of these players, I would think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, straight away, she's the, best, yeah. she's the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, but in saying that, it's not necessarily that she's not that, like none of them are good enough. It's more that they're just all there. There's a bunch of really good goalkeepers at the moment, and and they happen to be three of them. Um, like there's a few others that I think you could probably put in there. Um, Pera Mignon from Juventus. You could probably put uh, the Man City goalkeeper whose name escapes me. Even I mean, even in reality, Manuela Zinsberger, who's been really good for Arsenal this season, I think you could probably put in there as well. You've got some. Um, uh, Sandra Panos at Barcelona as well. I mean, again, uh, to Eric's point around visibility, I think that that's really what helps these players kind of get the attention that they 
that they're that they're gaining at the moment. Not necessarily that there has been a huge standout up until this point in the season. Maybe we need our own awards in that case. Madge, who would be up for for your awards for goalkeeper of the year at a world level? Oh, look, I think similar to Dale, is it, there's probably not one that's a a huge standout. And when you look at and when you look at all of those the, the three players that are nominated, I mean. Germany making the Euro final and Chelsea, you know, being dominant in in the WSL. Um, Mary Earps having a great, you know, winning the Euros, and um, and Manchester going from um, Manchester United going from strength to strength, and then you know, and Lyon um, for Enla, so winning the Champions League. So, I mean, there's there's, there's it's, it's it's I think that's probably out of all of the awards is probably um, you know a a, a good. A, a good three and uh, and anyone could take that hmm. very nice i like your Gary. idea of a of our own award let's do it we're, we're in control we may have, uh, have, to we send, have we'll send we'll send a google doc out to or a google form out to all of the all of the members in the in the uh supporters group <laughs> well <laughs> there you go we can do that um that does bring us back to our um our pod notes and our sheet of things that we're talking about so the very next thing under our Matildas banner is that the Matildas and A-League Women's Supporters Group maybe it could have a better name than that but that's what it's called at the moment has hit 6,000 members and I don't know Eric may remember better than me but in terms of projecting how many members it's been growing year on year or month on month but we're basically I think you can see the trajectory changing as we head into the the Women's World Cup that it's growing and growing there's a lot of interest in women's football there's a reasonable amount of chatter in there Um, people by and large are um, respectful which is one of the group rules which is wonderful Eric Oh, I did. Uh, you might remember, you might remember Cheryl. When when did you start it? Because it's beyond ninety, so it had to be either twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, I think. But yeah, so whatever it is, if it's it's either less than three years or less than four years, so yeah, I'd say that's pretty good growth. And yes, it's yeah, it's a well-behaved group. I don't have to do too much moderating, so thanks to all of you for being so well-behaved. Very nice. Uh, and from the Matildas, we move on to Dub News. I know that we all want to talk about the games, but we'll get there momentarily. In Dub News, Chids is leaving for Kentucky, which is making many Melbourne Victory fans and maybe even Dub fans a little bit sad. She's been a great addition to the Dub, really exciting. And I think her social media post that we're linking to does talk about her saying she'll be um, sad to leave the yellow highlighter kit that they wear as one of their one of their kits so off um off chids goes to racing louisville and all the best for her over there hopefully she continues the amazing form that she's brought to the dub and and also to the matildas when she's been out there as well and in other dub news so this was just released a couple of hours ago i think combank stadium announced as the dub grand final venue the match will start at four o'clock on sunday april 30th and tickets go on sale Tomorrow at the time of recording, which is Tuesday, they will go on sale at 3 p.m. Um, I think it sounds like if you've been to Cup of Nations, you get a little bit of a jump start on anyone else. But I don't know. It's a decent sized stadium. I don't know how many non-New South Wales fans are really getting there. Madge, your thoughts? Oh, look at your football budget going. Well, that's the thing. And like, it's a World Cup year. I'm not going to be splurging on um, unless the Raw make an incredible run for finals. Um, 
I don't think I'm going to be making the splurge to go down as a neutral. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's interesting timing as well. I'm, I'm sure the APL thought that they were timing this as a, um, a nice piggyback off the Matildas just having played at, at Combank Stadium. But I don't know, it just took us from a happy place to a, a reminder of, of everything that we don't like about having uh, the, the grand final hosted in, in Sydney, in, in New South Wales for the next few years. So I don't know. I I, I, I think they're not going to be wanting uh, to have two interstate teams in the grand final would be my guess. As the other non-New South Wales person on the podcast, I would echo those statements, certainly about the the budget side of it. I mean, we're already looking to a World Cup where we've got plenty of tickets. It, it is, there's a number of games in New South Wales itself. So, you know, there's a lot of money that we're already sending across to that travel um, or tourism New South Wales as it is. Be lovely to see, um, yeah, I don't know. It's the decision's been made, and we get to make our decision as well. And I don't think that I'll be there, but I do hope that it's a great event for um, Western United and Melbourne City or Melbourne Victory. <laughs> but pretty sure that Sydney will be there regardless. Oh, um, I, to- and I just like to echo your point around being a non-Sydney side or a non-New South Welsh person. Um, I live in Sydney, and it still sucks. So don't feel like that you you have a you have a, a monopoly on thinking that this is a bad decision. Um, the only upside is that we have notice, but that doesn't really help when you don't know if your team's playing there until the day before or the week before. I, I did see. Um, uh, I saw the tweet a couple of times. They're selling the the home and away active sections, but it's like, well, I don't know which bay I should be um, buying tickets in. Exactly so right. Just yeah. to, I, if it was me, and I'm very glad that it's not, um, but I would just be selling like category A and then just sit the rest as general admission. Like just go in, make it, have a fun time. Gonna be Don't wave the red, the red flag at, at the yeah. angry bull fans. Um, more well, you won't, that. you won't have to worry about any, any, you know, silly fans because I don't think uh, the RBB will be there. And I also don't think many modern victory fans will be traveling. So yeah. Don't stress too well, much. Michael, our amazing or beyond 90s amazing graphics person has been doing the dub ladder and showing who's who's where at the moment and potentially where they can finish as well. I can't remember, Michael, I apologise. It's not in the front of my head right now, but I'm thinking that Sydney is looking pretty good. I know there's a bit of a season still to go. So at least they get for a semi-final. Yeah, at least there should be a a team in the semis that hails from the, you know, the location of the grand final. It could be worse. It could be no one there, but um, yeah. What about your thoughts, Eric? Um, You know, is Combank Stadium a a favourite of yours? And we did see in the Slack thread, I I think Stefan was asking information about where the sun is. Yeah, so um, please bear with me. We're about to start half-time and that bloody music will stop. But personally, I wanted to read out a tweet from friend of the pod here in the app, which I think said, um, listen, he showed a list of concerns better than I could, where it just said, kickoffs at 3pm in summer, despite pleas, players travelling in less than ideal conditions, no games on TV, everyone has to travel to the grand final, no clear roadmap for full-time players, coaches or reps, but the league CEO says, we need to everyone to get behind the A-League women. Well, like, so, we've always been behind it. Yes, it's, it's, oh my God, thanks to the music. The second half started, that music is finally a 
Okay, so you can actually hear me. But yeah, we've always been behind it, but whether that's been backed by a call from higher up is... Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, the reason I'm not pointing the camera at the pictures, of course, because that would be highly, highly illegal, because um, uh, I do not have the rights to such, such an event, so I cannot be pointing my camera have, at the have, field. We can't have FIFA shutting down our humble podcast because of your irresponsible camera pointing. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, that, is, that is a very good point. Um, but yeah, just as for Combank, I mean... It's a nice venue. It's convenient for me, even more convenient for me than for Dale. But yeah, I'm just, just really um, not, not feeling this uh, decision. I suppose I'll turn up. I think I can, I can swing my schedule that weekend. But, you know, I'd rather that the grand, I'd rather that the grand final had like, the best possible atmosphere. Mm. And that, that will not happen. Um, on, that will not happen unless Sydney somehow hosted, I think. And even then, the away, yeah, it's just, yeah, whatever. Uh, also, I, um, sorry, I was going to say that also the, the other thing to consider is that this will be on TV, so there's even less reason for people to travel. Like, uh, I know that you know, game game being at the game is very different to watching it on the on the idiot box. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the game this will be one of the I think the only game that will be played on TV for the whole season for the dub is this game. It's four yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. The traditional. Yeah. Stop the, other, off, so, yeah. the other issue is also a Sunday afternoon, which makes mm -hmm, yeah. traveling even harder because yeah. if you're a traveling fan, you're basically having to take the Monday off, or yeah. um, which you know, again, just um, it doesn't stack up for the yeah. um, even wanting to achieve what they say they're wanting to achieve by you know attracting it as being a marquee event. So yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So, sorry to cut you off, Madge, but the, the point I remember to say, I suppose if the um, if the lineup of teams lines up with my custom jersey selection, I suppose I could cosplay as a fan of Melbourne City, maybe? That seems like the most likely option, but yeah, it's just, other than that, it's, it's not, it's no bueno. All right, let's move on and talk about the, it's been a FIFA international window, so of course we haven't had any dub matches, but what we have had, uh, let's kick off with the Cup of Nations and maybe before we talk a little bit about the games that we have seen to this point, just a short message from me about broadcasting and how ideally in for the Cup of Nations, people in Australia can see it reasonably easy, live and free on 10 bold, 10 play, simulcast on the 10 play app. You can also see it on Paramount Plus. That's all great. Rest of the world, you can watch it on Football Australia YouTube, which sounds nice and friendly. What I'm not finding is with the She Believes Cup, the um, Arnold Clark Cup, the uh, yeah other bits and pieces around the world, the Turkish Cup, maybe, you know, give them a little bit of leeway. But it's been so difficult to find information about where these matches have been broadcast. Or is that just me and I'm not negotiating the, the landscape of broadcast very well? Dale, are you across all of it? No, I think you're exactly right. Like the, the traditionally, you would think that so. Like the, the the point that you're making around like the She Believes Cup, you would expect that it would be broadcast probably on ESPN here. Tournoi de France is like slightly different because it will probably be covered by W9 in France, so it may not be available online. But yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen a hell of a lot of information around these tournaments outside of like stuff highlights that we've seen on Twitter or you know whether there there might be you know, a wrap a that you get at the end of the match or a, like a highlights wrap that you get at the end of the match in your YouTube su suggestions, but nothing that, you know, pops out, um, which is disappointing. I was looking forward to watching Kosovo versus Hong Kong in the Turkish Women's Cup this week. Um, really good to see that those two 
rivals are going at it again. <laughs> no, it's 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 disappointing. It's like what's the you know, uh, it's not even you can't be where you can't see. It's like I kind of want to watch football, but you're not letting me. Please yep. do better. And it's an international game, right? I mean, we might be yeah. obviously very Australian centric, and, and we quite possibly, um, apart from Eric, we largely barrack for Australia. But if you know, if you're in Australia and in, in some other part of the world, and you want to watch Croatia playing against Hungary or whoever they were playing against, then you know, I'd, I'd love to see it out there. I mean, it might be a slow organic growth, but uh, Dazen, I'm sorry, I always pronounce that wrong as well, but it's great to see how much they've sort of put into making games really accessible to people. And I'd love to see that as well, but I need to get off my high horse and we need to talk about Cup of Nations. Spain three, Jamaica nil. I didn't see the match. I don't know if anyone has. Madge, have you been sitting at each game? No, I've, yeah, we've been doing pre-game sort of, um, so focusing more on the Matildas. So I haven't caught the other games, no. So I feel like I'm going to throw to Dale right now because Eric should be focusing his energy on being in and around New Zealand. Uh, I did not watch this game, but I did watch uh, some vision. And I've got to say, I was a little bit disappointed by Jamaica, but I was more impressed by Spain's effectively third string lineup. Um, as if you had have watched the Australia-Spain game, you would have noticed that Australia, uh, sorry, Spain definitely put out a, a second string lineup for the Jamaica game, but for them to hold Jamaica to a clean sheet and also, you know, put away three goals is fairly impressive. Um, a lot of these players who are in the Spanish setup, especially for this game, wouldn't have played a lot of international football, uh, let alone played with each other. So, um, I was I was a little more than more than a little impressed by their kind of fluidity. Um, the, I mean, obviously the next game was the, the big one, though. that was the one that we we all kind of came to see. Uh, shout out to Dan Ullman, who's put together a, a great gallery for us of the Spain versus Jamaica match. So head to be on ninety and have a look at that. Um, apologies on social, I was left in control of it while Eric's um, traveling around. It's not my forte, but I got it out there. That's the main thing. On to the next game. So Australia's opening match in the Cup of Nations, Australia for Czechia or Czech Republic zero or nil. Um, Eric, do you want to start with that one? Did you get a chance to watch it? Is it broadcast nice and easy in New Zealand for you? As I discovered last night when I re-downloaded the apps to my phone to try and watch it. And then I remembered, oh no, I'm in New Zealand, so I'm geoblocked. So I will have to throw to someone else for that because I literally can't watch it. Well, hot tip, try YouTube because that's what Football Australia are saying you can watch it on. But uh, yeah, give it a give it a go. What about your thoughts, Dale? Were you at the were you at the match? I was not at the match, unfortunately. I was going to go up this one, but I it was in Gosford um, and I need my kidneys. So I didn't travel. Uh, but I was super impressed by Czechia in the first half, if I'm perfectly honest. Not necessarily as impressed by Australia in the first half, but then second half, uh, Matilda's just flicked a switch and basically went from zero to 100 in about three minutes. Um, yeah, I think that once Rasso had the second goal in... 10 minutes after halftime, I think we were kind of home and hosed. Um, and you could tell that Jackie were kind of getting a bit chippy and a little bit um, demoralized is the wrong word, but they, they couldn't find a way through and they couldn't find a way, um, a way for like to succeed in kind of moving further up the pitch. But, um, you know, 
that's what good that's what good teams do in terms of the Matildas. They they kind of suffocated Czechia a little bit. The game got a little bit more open as the second half wore on, and then Kerr got that second goal. Uh, sorry, Kerr got that third goal, and then Polk scored the fourth one. So, and it, of course, was Polk's record-breaking game, 151 caps, and got to captain the side. And then, I mean, she should have been chaired off the pitch, but. I must say, yeah, we, I thought um, we were a little bit um, disappointed that there wasn't a nice big presentation for Polks after the game, but then they did rectify mm. that at, at, um, at, the, at the game against Spain. Um, look, at, at the ground, um, I, I must say between this and, and the game on Sunday against Spain, we're a little bit disappointed that we're not getting any goals up our end of the field with active support. Um, all nine goals have been at the other end of the field. Yes. But that's okay as long as they're going in. But I think, Dale, what you were saying about it's what good teams do, I think that's what I, I liked most about the Matildas' performance against Czechia and that, yeah, no, they didn't play well in that first half. Um, but they were, yeah, being able to turn it around and, and not getting in their own heads about not playing well. I mean, I think there's been so many occasions over the years where the Matildas have maybe looked like playing against the US or, or another strong team looked really good in the first half, but then um, even though a US may, you know, may have looked a bit rusty, they'd always find a way to come back and win. Um, so uh, it's, it's it's good that we're getting that um, that mental fortitude to be able to do that to other teams now. Yeah, and also Czechia. Yeah, and Czechia also, I, I think it's been a long time since they've um, con conceded any goals against um, opposition. So um, to be able to, you know, put four past them, um, yeah great effort to turn that around on paper uh, also when... just just on the subject sorry Shez, just on the subject of the Czechia team um big shout out to the commentary team for this game for absolute flawless pronunciation of the Czech players was super impressed by this to be really honest uh Czechia Czech is a very complicated kind of Slavic language it has lots of accents and dippy things on r's and z's and stuff so uh yeah I was I was really impressed and as you say I think the like you know, the, the best teams find a way to win. That's that's the definition of success is finding a way to, to, to win, really. So which broadcast were you watching? Because, and I'm not challenging that, I'm just curious because there's different broad, broadcast teams um, calling maybe Channel 10 versus Paramount? I watched the 10. I watched 10 because uh, I do not have Paramount Plus and because I am uh, broke. Um, but yeah, I was I was impressed by it. I think it was Robbie Thompson who was doing the call, whatever that gentleman's name is. I can't remember, but yeah, it was it was great. Terrific. Now, Madge, question for you: Compare the atmosphere from Australia's game one to Australia's game two, and then take us into game two. Uh, look, game one was pretty good, but I guess yeah, we didn't quite have um, the 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 same crowd. I think there was about seven thousand um, people, just over seven thousand at Gosford. I guess on a you know middle of the week sort of afternoon uh, to evening game. But um, at Combank, look, it was great. We had a great little floor of um, people in active support. Uh, and um, we also decided um, probably for the first time um, we had multiple drums. So we we're able to um, really get the noise going in the stadium at Combank. And it is such a, just a great stadium where the noise will just reverberate around the stadium really well. And you know, and the whole crowd got involved with a bunch of chants, which was um, which was fantastic to hear and see, uh, being able to make some great atmosphere there with you know seventeen thousand other people. A, a good presence from Spanish supporters as well, or 
didn't notice didn't notice any they they may have been up the other end because um, I know mm. there was an away supporter section as well um, but I did re-watch the game and that it did look like there was a little pocket uh, of them somewhere in the stadium but um, yeah I didn't see too many Spanish fans just milling around the stadium as we were coming in, in and out yeah I'd agree with that like I noticed that I saw Spanish fan like as you said like there wasn't like a an organized group but there were definitely Spanish fans there like when we were walking up from uh from the state well from the from the Woolpack up to the stadium there were definitely Spanish flags around and and all that kind of thing but they weren't like a they they weren't pocket they they weren't a big pocket of of fans they were kind of interspersed among the crowd I'd say it Um, wasn't really like the Sweden game like there was like a big a big bunch of Sweden fans that you kind of kind of tell that they were Sweden yeah. I mean, the Brazil game was the best example of that when the, the Brazilian fans were there and they were fantastic. Uh, but yeah, imagine, imagine her cohort were very uh, audible up in the, up in the ivory tower of the press box. So full credit to you. Um, and yeah, as you said, two drums, two drums is four drums. A ha- four drums. I was going to say four drums <laughs> is yeah, even, even more, uh, even more work to do, but yeah, it's uh, as somebody who's been around active support a little bit, I can tell you that like, multiple drums and timing is a very uh it takes time to get used to so full credit to, to the drummers on the weekend oh look we may not have been in time but that didn't matter we just made that. <laughs> that doesn't matter that's it's, it's all about having fun timing is, a, that, is a concept beyond that dale thoughts on the actual game itself the the result the play i did listen to the uh press conference mm. afterwards with tony g and it was interesting and kind of aligned with some of what i thought the the score in the end was probably fair. The three nil at halftime was probably looked a little bit inflated for Australia, given the chances that Spain had had. And it was really a great quick transition from Australia that enabled them to get the goals and make it look um, like we were dominating. But yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Like I'm, I'm having a look at the stats now and we only had 34% of possession. So that for one doesn't really surprise me, but I think it also played into the game plan that we were basically playing a four, two, four, with Rasso, Vine, Ford, and Kerr as the front four, and then uh, Gori and Cooney crosses as a deep-lying playmaking midfielders. And effectively, the game plan was stop Spain scoring as much as possible and then run very fast up the other end. And the like, most of our opportunities came from that. And yes, I know that obviously there were... The goal that Polk scored was kind of from a set piece and the goal that, uh, well, from second phase from a set piece and Ford's... Ford's goal had to have been some of the worst set piece marking I've ever seen. She literally just like when she, before she heads the ball, there's a moment where you'd see her in the kind of high shot, look around, like she's confused why she's getting this kind of like make a wish kid dream fulfillment (laughs) goal where the ball is just right there for her to head in. The keeper doesn't come. Her defender stays like around the penalty spot and she just heads the ball in and everyone's like, Oh, Probably should have done something. And then Spain are like, oh, she's offside. I'm like, she can't be offside. It's a corner. The ball is going backwards. Anyway, um, but yeah, to your point around the, the presser with Tony G afterwards, he, I think he admitted that they had some communication issues in the second half, which really played into Spain's hands. There were parts of the game where they were basically, Australia were basically playing a back six. It looked to me, and this was something I referenced in, in the tweets, was that we were basically playing a back three with the ball, five in the midfield with Catley and I think it was Catley and Grant as the high wingbacks that were basically becoming kind of overlapping midfielders. And then 
three in the middle and then Kerr and uh, Crummer as the two up front. And then Crummer, everybody basically concertinaed back when we lost the ball. But the problem with that was uh, we had not really played against played like this against a team that presses and plays with such kind of precision and good ball carrying and good ball movement as Spain. The two goals that Spain scored were fantastic. And I don't think, I don't think it would have mattered if we had three goalkeepers in there, but they were both fantastic goals. But um, yeah, Tony did, did mention, as he said, that there was a little bit of improvement that can be done, but Hey, it's better than losing seven nil. Like, I think it's a huge step up. And I know that Spain are obviously missing a lot of players, but like it, it was a, it was a world of difference to, to how we played against them last time. I don't normally get too much into player ratings, but in terms of top top three players for consistency and maybe impact, um, uh, Dale, Madge, uh, Eric, please jump in anytime you want, Eric. I'm just not sure how much you've been able to catch because I know that you're um, in another country at the moment. I was really impressed with, um, with Mackenzie Arnold again. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, I think I said this to someone at, at the game, um, we, I think we all know that it feels like um, she's had a bit of the yips with the Matildas and um, just to be able to get, um, I mean, the, the game against Czechia as well, but she didn't have too much to do on that game. This game, I think she looked really fantastic and really solid. And and the more that we've got um, our players high on confidence coming into the World Cup, the better. So, yeah, I thought Maka was great. Um, my only other comment was I actually just love seeing a banger of a goal. I, I just, I, I feel like I haven't had an app, like a Matilda's just banger, but that Courtney Vine first oh, time, yeah. like just wonderful, just wonderful to see. So it's, it's just nice to be able to have, have those on the highlights reel. Well, I mean, you would have had a good angle for all, all of the goals apart, well, apart from the well, three of the goals this, this week, it's, you know, right behind the goal, all the way at the other end of the pitch, through the binoculars, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> just just the binoculars part. <laughs> I I mean, as you say, I'd agree with your your comments around um, Mackenzie Arnold. I thought she was really, really good. She got pretty beat up in this game, and that's no disrespect to Spain. You have to be a bit of a mad person to, to be a goalkeeper. Um, and she looked like at the end she had a calf complaint as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if she gets rested for the Jamaica game just as a, as a caution because obviously she'll have to go back into club land. Um, I was really impressed with, uh, with Steph Catley as usual. Um, I was impressed with Claire Hunt. She looked pretty safe for most of the game. I thought that she was obviously kind of getting marshaled by Polks, but I think, you know, she can't do much more than, than what she did. Um, and Hayley Rasso uh, just throws herself into everything, and she was really important on that right-hand side. She made plenty of good runs. Um, I think she was paired up against uh, Carmona and Andres on that left-hand side and kind of made them look pretty average at points. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't a fantastic... It wasn't vintage Matildas, but it was uh, it was at least passable. I think, for me, the other player that... I mean, you can call them all out for different reasons. Each player has done something uh, unique, strong, committed, whatever it may be. But I quite like Charlie Grant, who, you know, was bombing up the field a couple of times to put herself in positions that maybe the opposition weren't necessarily expecting her to run that hard and do it. And speaking of running hard, definitely saw Polk's doing it as well. Like when we get some set pieces, she's up top, but then you know, on a fast transition, you could see her busting her gut to get back as well. And that's the kind of commitment that you need. Um, you know, Sam Kerr is a, an interesting one because she does so much work off the ball, but 
not necessarily seeing her getting on the ball as much. I didn't see her on the ball that much. And But if it's enabling her teammates to get on the ball, then she's doing the perfect job. And I'm sure Tony's pretty happy with that. On Charlie, yeah, there, I think there was. I was watching the replay on the on the train up to Newcastle, and I think there was one point where Charlie had basically run up to pretty much left wing and was getting the ball from Steph Catley or something at one point. And it's like, yeah, just she, yeah, she was absolutely busting her gut, um, sort of getting up and down the field. I'm pretty sure at one point I think Steph Catley was the player furthest forward. In, in the game and that was really surprising for me she, and probably for her as well. She's like, where is everyone? I need to pass or cross it to someone. But um, any other thoughts on the game, Eric? I, I'm not sure if you had a chance to grab it at all. I mean, not being able to watch didn't stop me from punching out a whole bunch of tweets from Courtney Vinesford because I have everyone else's reaction. I knew it was a banger and I was able to watch it later. It was a great goal. So, you know, uh, sorry to have missed that, but you know, other than that, I just thought they're only echoing what everyone else said. That uh, the, there was a fade out at the end, and I think perhaps there was uh, possible mention of communication breakdowns towards the end. And my thought, which I said to Dale off mic, was um, they they have time to fix those communication breakdowns in defence now, and they better because um, the coach they might not be they might not be able to rely on coaches yelling instructions in, in front of, say, 80,000 people at Homebush. So, well, they, yeah, they still got time to fix it. I, I would be... I, I know this is a little bit adjacent to the point that you're making, Eric, but, like, I know uh, there was a, a woman who I used to be, be mates with when I was a, a wee tacker, and she was, an, she was an archer. She was a very good kind of world championship archer. And the kind of amount of extracurricular practice that she would do in terms of dealing with noise or dealing with wind or dealing with, you know, rain or whatever it was, distractions was, was pretty um, incredible. Like to get, you know, hit with a fire hose or have, you know, it was the two thousands, we were allowed to have fireworks. So, you know, fireworks going off in the background and things like that. But like, it wouldn't surprise me if they're going to have to think about like training with earplugs in or something like that so that they can hear these adjust or ha not have to hear these adjustments to know that they have to be making adjustments. Like we remember the men's world cup where Denmark had that, that piece of paper that Mitch Duke ended up picking up and, and taking to the taking to the coach to, to change the formation. We don't want something like that to happen. But as you say, Eric, like we, for us to have been playing basically six, like a six, three, one, um, in the dying minutes of a game, like that's not going to cut it against Canada or in the round of 16 or in the semi, you know, in a quarterfinal, we're going to have to do better, but hopefully we've got a little bit of time to work on that now. Well, shoot me down, but I think the two most important matches are still to come on Wednesday. And the reason I say that is one of the things Tony's trying to get out of this is tournament football. So the next matches proves that we can effectively get out of the group of World Cup if we're pretending that's what it is, get out of the group successfully and resting players. And obviously there's no um, knockouts or anything afterwards. But yeah, so it's an important game. Jamaica have probably had a very hard run to this point, but Australia will take on Jamaica on Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, I think. I'm sorry if it's 7 p.m. Please check your local guides and don't take my recommendation. And then the other match with Czechia and Spain as well, which will be interesting to see how all the teams finish it 
finish up. But um, at this point, touch wood, it's looking healthy for Australia against some pretty tough opponents. So very well done. I feel like Eric is going to be our best placed person at the moment to throw to him to talk about the Inter-Confederation playoffs. Eric, to you, um, is there a, a loudspeaker at the moment? Can you chat to us and talk about the results and how it's going? Yes, well, of course, a loudspeaker just as I just as I start talking. Of course, there is. By the way, um, uh, shout out to Michaela Foster. She just made her football phone debut. Came on about five to ten minutes ago, so that's lovely. Um, from Dale, might Dale tends to know these things. Was she even originally intended to be a Wellington Phoenix contracted player to start the season? Because I don't. Nope. Shakes his head. I don't believe so. No, I don't believe so. Okay, so. Okay, so that's uh, quite some. Not bad. For, not uh, bad to go from playing in the Central League to playing for the nation. Not bad at all. Yeah, it, it's good. But yeah, so um, yeah, so just to be clear, I decided to park myself in Hamilton for uh, the next this week because it's it has more games in Auckland, seven games in seven days. And just as an aside, a lovely discovery I made, unintended discovery, is that Hamilton is like a kind of like a blue collar place where. Um, a blue collar place and really it reminds me it's like the black town of new zealand so as i was telling gail and i feel i feel like i've lived here in the past so i absolutely love the town and there's so many gorgeous there's so many gorgeous gorgeous people with tattoos i really fit in here so i hope this is not the last time i'm in hamilton but uh on to the football just briefly um on friday i watched uh, portugal defeat new zealand 5-0 that was um i suppose from a key perspective the less said about that the better it just it, it looked like kind of what we were saying about Australia at times that they weren't up with the game plan. But New Zealand didn't really understand their responsibilities in their formation. On Saturday, a, a very intriguing game between Cameroon and Thailand. I think Cameroon uh, nicked it with two late goals. So they will face Portugal on Wednesday for a place in the World Cup. Thailand, just a bit of a, a rough one. Uh, came pretty close to qualifying by the Asian Cup, of course, and had some good moments with Cameron too good in the end. Also, by the way, the the fun the fun fact from that one: uh, twenty three minutes and forty seconds of second half stoppage time. Yeah. So that's 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 Cheryl's beloved bar. I'm um, doing its job once again. A couple with I think two or three head knocks in the second half and some other injury stoppages. So I really hope um, they make that process more efficient at some point because it is that was not good. I was just everyone was just praying for the second half to end. It just went on and on and on like. You know, when second when second half stoppage time is half the length of the actual half, that's a problem. Uh, but then, then on Sunday, the a contender for uh, one of the best chaos games I've ever seen. I think followers of men's Asian football may remember a quarterfinal between Iran and Iraq in 2015 down in Canberra. I thought that matched it for levels of chaos. So it was between Taiwan and Paraguay. Taiwan looked great for 80 minutes. We're leading 2-0. And then Paraguay just turned it around with two goals in a minute it was also the kind of weird game where it was boiling hot if the sun was if the sun was out and there was no wind but also it was actually quite cold if the sun ducked behind a cloud and the wind picked up so just everything happened um extra time was madness formation went out the window everyone was too tired people there was gaps everywhere uh paraguay had chances in extra time taiwan had two massive chances in the second half of extra time. Then, of course, as is always, there was a 120-minute VAR check for a Taiwanese penalty, which was awarded. Taiwan then missed the penalty, and Paraguay won the shootout. So, yeah, that's... um, It was like, I mean, hopefully you can 
watch it somewhere on FIFA Plus or wherever or off the sport if you're a subscriber and not geo-blocked because that was really a game well worth reliving and Paraguay is facing, oh my God, uh, Panama, I think, for a place in the World Cup because Panama defeated Papua New Guinea. But yeah, and yeah, it's just, uh, I really like Waikato Stadium, which is where all of these games in Hamilton are being played. And as for the game I'm watching now, um, final 20 minutes, Argentina is still winning 1-0. And Liv Chance has had a goal ruled out for offside, which to the to the great disgust of the Hamilton crowd. Thanks very much, Eric. It's nice to have a, a live update there. There have been so many other matches at, around the world at the moment, obviously, given it's a FIFA international window, but I am conscious of time and I'd love to hear from people about their Queens, Kings, non-binary uh, legends of the week if we want to jump there. And if it refers to a game that's on at the moment, then yell out. But um, how about Madge? You want to start? Well, I mean, I, I'm just going to go with the absolute obvious one. Um, Claire Polkinghorne uh, for Queen of the Week for uh, becoming Australia's uh, highest capped footballer or senior footballer. Um, just an amazing effort, amazing human being. Uh, 152 games, uh, um, surpassing Cheryl Salisbury in Gosford, now 153 uh, following um, Sunday's game. Um, not sure whether or not she might get a rest um, on Wednesday, but I'm sure they'll, she'll keep ticking over uh, the games um, throughout the rest, the rest of the year. Just an amazing career, amazing person. Um, everybody, no, there's not a person in the world that has a bad thing to say about her. She's just a yeah, great person and, and, it's, and it's just wonderful to see someone um, that well-respected uh, and such a good servant of the game um, be just... It, it makes sense that, that someone like that is our our highest ever cap earner for the country. For our archives, Madge, uh, is there any particular number that you think Polks might get to in terms of the number of games play? We saw Alex Morgan just rack up 200 games. Um, you know, it depends how prolific your association or confederation is in terms of how many games they get through as well. Yeah, true, true. Well, I mean, so we've got our World Cup, then we've got... um. So, you know, hopefully should be at least, come on, at least four or five games at the World Cup. We've got a few more friendlies to go. So, oh, let's, okay, I'll, I'll, look, I'll, I'll commit. I'll go for a number. Let's go. And then we've got Olympic qualifying later in the year as well. Yep. Olympics, uh, Olympic qualifying. There will be friendlies away from memory as well. Surely we're going to get into the 180s at the very least. I like it. Mm. Um, let's take this theme through. Dale, do you want to talk about your Queen King, um, whoever of the week, and add your your pick for how many games Polks might get to? Uh, my Queen of the Week is Mackenzie Arnold. Uh, I thought she gave a really assured performance um, after, as Madge said, having the yips uh, recently. Um, nice of her not to cop seven goals. Uh, that is always good as a goalkeeper. Um, I thought she made a number of really good saves against Spain and kind of just played, you know, did what she had to do. And in terms of our goalkeeping stocks, I think that that's exactly what we need. Um, in terms of Polk's, uh, I look at Polk's and I know that she has been playing since, you know, since Adam was a boy. So I'm going to say 212. 
She's 34. She's still going around. She hasn't had any major injuries, touch wood. I can't see. I mean, and she's, in my opinion, the best centre-back that we have at the moment. I can't see her getting dropped at this point um, unless she wants to step away from the game post-2024. I don't think there's any reason she can't make it to 200, but I'll say 212. Thank you very much, Dale. Over to you, Eric. Hopefully there's some quiet time in the stadium for you. Yeah, it is just about, by the way, crowd of 3,622. Uh, good for a Monday night in Hamilton for New Zealand and Argentina. I love this game. We should do a game like this every week in addition to Queens of the Week. We can think about it. <laughs> uh, for Pulse, um, I, uh, I want to do a different guess to the others. I think uh, this... Hmm. I, I can't see a 200. I think she'll fall just short, so let's go 191. But... Uh, yeah, that's for my usual multiple queens of the week. So the first one, great to see Melbourne City's Hannah, sorry, Melbourne City's Holly McNamara back on the field. Uh, she played for Melbourne City in their uh, training game against the Young Matildas. Young Matildas, of course, having a camp in Melbourne. She found the net as well, so she's injury hasn't stopped her. She's still got it, and hopefully we can see Holly in the dub soon. My second queen, or second sets of queens of the week, as I alluded to earlier, the Paraguayan national team who kept going when all looked lost um, in their playoff game against Taiwan. The, the comeback with two goals in the last 10 minutes, uh, winning the shootout, and also a big shout-out to uh, their Paraguayan keeper, Alicia Bombardier, who uh, saved a penalty from Michelle Powell, was pinged for encouragement. The referee ordered a retake, and so Bombardier saved again from Michelle Powell. I don't see that too often. And my third queen of the week, really close to my heart, the news came through, I think, uh, uh, I think late last night, early hours of this morning. So Sydney FC fullback Deborah Ann Delaharp has has uh, done something to get all the favour from me. She's switched allegiances. She was a young Matilda. Now she is committed to the Republic of Ireland. And in fact, uh, Zori is part of their training camp in Spain, where Ireland played a closed doors game against Germany. There's a lovely picture on Deborah Ann's Instagram where she's in the beautiful green jersey and in action, so may, hopefully she'll make her official debut soon, maybe even against China in a couple of days. And, yeah, so um, Australians turning their back on Australia to represent Ireland. You absolutely love to see it. Thanks so much, Eric. I appreciate that. I'm not sure I agree entirely with it. Um, look, my two Queens of the Week for a change, they're not players. They're people who uh, maybe contribute to the game in a very meaningful way, the first of which, Rachel Bark, for her immersive Nike exhibition, which I'm... A little bit gutted that I didn't get to see, didn't know about it either. But shout out to you, Rach. That's um, that's amazing. Madge, did you get to see it? Dale, did you get to see it? Yeah, um, we a whole bunch of us went along to see it on Saturday. So yeah, great, just fantastic. Um, all just so prolific, just all of the photos that and moments that um, Rachel's been able to capture um, of the Matildas. Uh, yeah, it was it was a wonderful um, exhibition. So it was fantastic. Mm, very popular with the players got a, a few big hugs at the end of the game from what I saw so good to see that she's uh she's still doing so well yeah, yeah. It's... And I... Greg. Oh, yeah yeah it's for Rachel we talk about like journeys uh it wasn't that long ago when Rachel was shooting NPL Victoria and you know shooting all this football in addition to a day job so for her to get to be able to make a living doing what she loves and doing something that a lot of people love. It's, it's wonderful. Also, uh, Rachel doesn't write many articles, but she has written stuff. I think I remember a couple of articles for Siren. And let me tell you, Rachel writes like an experienced journalist. She's a very intelligent uh, person. So uh, obviously more power to her. 
I, I kind of feel like to give a shout out to Rach to say people go out there, find Rach by the white line on um, social media, but I figure that everyone's already following her anyway. Um, and I do remember heading to the 2018 Asian Cup with Rach in Jordan. We got to travel there together and it's really nice to share those memories together. So, and very proud and happy to see how she's doing right now. And then the second queen of the week that I have, Patty LaBella. Um, Patty has been a contributor to our our podcast, our um, our articles and all sorts of things. She's been amazing. But what people don't necessarily know, because this has been 90 focused podcast, but Patty's been running the Women's World Football Show for 10 years. And she's been doing that. She's had people with her along the way. I've certainly been on some pods. 211 episodes they tend to do them fortnightly but um you know that that indicates that there's probably some breaks in there along the way 450 plus guests 500,000 downloads worldwide so patty you're doing an amazing job telling the stories of, of women's football out there patty tells it from top to bottom or bottom to top you know it's not just about the u.s women's national team they're, they're talking all the stories about women's football so patty um sensational work we love your work keep it going for another 10 years if you can manage that any final thoughts from anyone i do have a final thought and I, maybe it's a bit late to ask this question but what's going on with australia's goalkeeping at the moment Macca was awesome out there. Tegan Micah injured. Lydia Williams not getting a lot of game time. Uh, is that anything that we expect to change, particularly given that Macca may have pulled up a little bit sore from the last game? Dale, you're our somewhat resident goalkeeping expert. Do you have thoughts on that? Uh, Lydia will start against Jamaica is my prediction. Uh, and she will remind everybody why she is the best goalkeeper in Australia uh despite what many people think um but yeah i think that we're fine i think we've got probably i think we've probably in terms of world football we have probably five goalkeepers that could start for any other you know for any other mid-tier country um like you know pot pot two country for one of a word i think if you throw probably wyman and dumont in there um, at the moment, I think that either of those two would get a start in, you know, your Japan's or your kind of Italy's or, or, or teams like that. But yeah, in terms of our top three, I don't think they're going anywhere at this point. Thank you very much, Dale. Any final thoughts, Madge? Well, we were actually having this kind of discussion just generally pre-game, um, just about our goalkeeping stocks. And it's like, so, you know, whoever, whoever, whoever your personal first choice is, but we were just saying, even if it isn't Lydia Williams, she like to have someone like Lydia Williams on the bench if you get an injury or, or you need to change something up to be able to pull a Lydia Williams off the bench in a World Cup if you need to. Um, what a luxury. So, um, yeah, I, I think as long as everyone stays fit, um, that's probably the, the issue with Micah at the moment and sort of has been a bit of an issue with Micah. But, um, yeah, look, three, three great keeper choices we've got at the moment and let's just get them all fit and firing. Lydia, hopefully getting more game time with Brighton will only be a good thing in the lead up to the World Cup. Thank you, everyone. Thank you um, for your contributions, Eric. I hope you continue to have a great time yeah. in New Zealand watching the games sure. as well. Yeah, just, I just have one final thought. Um, just I've, in Hamilton, I've seen people from all different countries here, not just, um, of course, the, the countries in the games, but other countries coming to watch. I think it's, and I'd encourage people 
don't just focus on your favorite teams, but just really for the World Cup, try and watch as many games as you can because it's going to be unforgettable. Very good shout out. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. Hopefully your subscribers, if you're not, please hop on to your favorite podcasting platform and subscribe to the pod to make sure you get it as soon as we hit the airwaves. Also, thank you to anyone who's been watching us on Facebook. It's great to have people watch on all sorts of different platforms. Please give us a like, please give us a rating, please uh, message us back and say if there's anything else that you need to hear from us. And it's been wonderful for me to come back and host tonight. I'm sorry I had to send Eric to New Zealand just to, in order to be able to get to do it, but maybe we can come to a fair arrangement that he doesn't have to leave the country next time. Um, on behalf of myself and everyone else on the pod and all the contributors at Beyond 90, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week.